women who are making an impact. the ability to go against the grave. Knowing very well that she is the fighter. You're multifaceted. A modern age woman is a woman who's able to fix another woman's crown. One who knows that commitment, discipline to herself. Modern day warrior woman doesn't fight against, but fights for. listeners and welcome to our second episode of Warrior Woman. Today we are going to be introducing and speaking to Eugenie Drakes. She is the founder of Peace and she is also a mentor, a coach, a great influencer within the art scene in South Africa. I met Eugenie a few years ago when I was starting Actually, I wasn't even starting. I was undecided about whether I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Somehow the universe brought me into the same space as Eugenie was. And Eugenie pushed me over the cliff. She has been around and supportive for so many years. And so I'm just grateful to have her in my life. And I think, you know, a whole lot more women out there could have somebody like Eugenie around. So Hello, Eugenie. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Nukwazi. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Would you please introduce yourself and really kind of give our listeners and the people watching an overview of who you are? <laughs> Gosh, I guess just for me, I was born in Johannesburg. I am a very proud South African. I think it's an honor and privilege to be in this country at the moment, particularly because I was born and grew up under the apartheid era. And for me, it's been quite extraordinary being part of the building and watching progress, watching opportunity, and watching particularly women move up and be strong. Thank you, Jeannie. And can you tell us a bit more about peace? What was peace for those who don't know what it is? just mentioned this word peace and what inspired you to to do the work that you did there um yes please i think for me peace started um i found myself at age 47 not having worked for 17 years wow. recently divorced and having to find a means to support myself um i had been contracted by the department of arts and culture to organize a launch for a big body of research that they'd done the cultural industry's growth strategy. And that covered film, television, publishing, and music, and I needed to, and craft. I needed to do an exhibition to showcase that at the launch. Um, and that is how my journey into the craft sector began. I've always been crazy about creativity, creative people. I believe that the arts unite people. And some of my greatest learnings was when I was working in the dance area arena with Free Flight Dance Company, Pack Dance Company, people like Boise Trequana, who was an incredible teacher for me and helped me see his world and my world, and the two were very different worlds, mm. and it was to create that common understanding. Yes. 
Um, as a result of the launch, I was then inspired to uh, work with an organization that was looking at marketing crafts globally and left them because I was not crazy about the values on which the organization was run. So I decided to go out on my own. I set up for three months what was going to be a Christmas shop, an African Christmas shop. When I was given the opportunity, I cleared all the money out of my bond, got into my car, drove down to KZN, came back with baskets and beads and all sorts of exciting things, put it into the space and then went, whoa, I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> but I'd, I'd committed, I'd yes. agreed, and I just had to make sense of it. Yes. So that was how my journey into the craft sector began. And I think for me, the motivation behind it was there was a lot of craft coming in from other parts of Africa. Mm -hmm. There were incredible hand skills in this country and the local people didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. So my focus was very specifically on South African handmade. And again, the joy of that was the stories that went behind the cultures and the traditions that inspired the actual design of the craft and also the amazing, amazing women that made them. Yeah. Um, at the end of three months, I still had lots of beads and lots of baskets and the bank wouldn't take beads and baskets in lieu of money. And I was also really curious because for me, things happen in cycles. You get spring, summer, autumn, winter. Yes. I'd done one part of cycle and I was curious to see how the rest happened. So I decided to continue I then had a really lucky break. The Saxon Hotel, which is a very high-end, global, award-winning luxury hotel, boutique mm -hmm. hotel, asked me to do a store there. And I realized that I didn't really know enough, so closed the store that I'd opened in Rosebank mm -hmm. and moved the entire operation to the Saxon. Yes. And that opened a whole new world for me because I was exposed to people who travel a lot, who've mm -hmm. been there, seen it, they have means, they have money, they're bored, they're looking for something new. And the challenge then was how to give them that something that they'd never experienced before. And again, because of the quality requirements that they had there, I kind of found myself getting an idea and going, I have no idea how I'm going to translate this. So I traveled to the communities that I worked with, sat and explained and worked with them, and then brought product back. And the fortunate thing for me was that then I could get the reaction of the customers mm -hmm. and then take that back. So I've always felt that, um, you know, my time during that time was being part of, of two, two realities that were worlds apart. Yes. Um, which was the one thing. And the other thing that really fascinated me was knowing where some of these products came from, mm -hmm. seeing them made in the humble, humble places where they came mm -hmm. and knowing that that was going to go onto a superstar, into, you know, wardrobes in New York and places like that. Mm -hmm. And that for me was just absolutely fascinating. So your story is very fascinating, Eugenie, because... I mean, you started over 47, which yeah. is, I mean, most people, you hear people say that once you reach 35, 40, it's over, but 47, was it easy? Was it easy? No, it, no, it wasn't easy. It, you know, it wasn't easy. I mean, it was, you know, I, coming out of not having worked for 17 years, mm. being a corporate wife, 
and now having to get out into the world. Mm -hmm. It was also in, when did we start? 2000. So again, it was post 94. Mm -hmm. You know, I was kind of an older white woman and where and how do I fit in? But that never worried me. The fact that I needed to, the fact that I needed to earn money was one thing. Yes. And what motivated me even more was these women that were producing this amazing product that people would, were really excited about. Yes. And for them to be able to realize the value and the worth of mm-hmm. what they were doing and to help them establish themselves and see themselves as business people rather than just somebody who's doing craft. Yes. And then the impact that that had. You know, we, we were very blessed. We did things. We worked with Oprah Winfrey. We worked with Elton John. We worked with Bill Clinton. We worked with many, many big names. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, the product that excited them was product that was made in remote rural KwaZulu Natal in Venda. You know, one day I came into the store and there was a lady sitting there, and we'd just done a project with a vendor. And um, my staff were making this great big turban for her to wear. And she was very excited, paid, walked out. I said, who was that? And they said that was Cheryl Carolus, the ambassador to London, in in London. And she was buying something to wear to the Queen's Christmas party. Now, for me, the fact that something that women in Venda had made, ending up at the table at Buckingham Palace in the Queen's at the Queen's Christmas party just excited me terribly. Yes. And I guess it was that, that was the focus. And it was the joy of that that kept me going rather than thinking too much about the process. So Eugenia, I think what's quite fascinating is that you talk about the rural woman and you know, sometimes the negative narrative in this space is that people go work with the rural woman, but do they really get the value of the 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 craft that they created back to them. So, I mean, I remember when I first came into your store with the stories you told about each piece. So um, how how did that work? And, and, and how was the shared value between what you put out, as you said, to the Saxon Hotel target market? And how did you ensure that you were able to empower the woman monetarily as well? Nakwasi, for me, it was, you know, my bottom line, and I think particularly when one is working with people who are vulnerable and are not as sophisticated as I am, for example, my big thing is really I am committed to ethically trading. Yes. So it is about a win-win-win all along the line. Okay. So that for me was just, it was not negotiable. It was part of how I am. It is part of who I am. But for me, what was even more important was, you know, going to work in the rural areas for me was just incredible because I got to touch the cultures. I got to experience the cultures. Mm. I got to experience the wisdom and the the wisdom that was there, the simplicity, the sense of community. And the stories were really incredible. The cultural stories um, that people just opened their hearts And for me, it was really interesting because there is a strength and a sense in those rural communities. I very much got the feeling that when I got out of my car and started walking towards the group, Uh they had already decided how far they would let me in. Uh 
And it, I always felt really honored because many let me write in. I love what you're saying here because I think sometimes the narrative that we have on the side is that we think these women are disempowered and that they don't have control about who comes into the spaces. But you saying over here is that they gave you permission to come in. And if you didn't have permission, then you wouldn't have been able to do the work that you did with them. Absolutely not. Mm. And for me, for me, it was a very, very deep honoring mm. and there was incredible respect. Yeah. So Eugenie, as I said, this is a Warrior Woman series. And for those of you who maybe haven't listened to the first episode, for me, I believe that women are gonna be the change drivers for the next phase of this economy, this world generally. I mean, you have to be blind to not see all the wrong that is happening currently in the world. And I believe that the feminine spirit needs to step out and be dominant in order to equalize and fix things. And, you know, as I was thinking about this series earlier on in the year, I was thinking to myself, why are we not hearing more narratives about female warriors, Joan of Arc, Queen Nzinga, they played huge roles, but you know, it's, it's not about being a warrior in a battlefield, right? With a gun or a spear. It's about being a warrior in whatever space that you are in. And so really this is why I felt that I wanted to give a voice to warrior women. So to me, you one of those warrior women, but I don't know how you would see yourself. But to start off, I'd like to ask you, what is your definition of a modern day warrior woman? Wow. You know, I think that right now, women are stepping up and stepping out. I think particularly it's for me significant in South Africa, because I think, you know, the, the younger generation has had the opportunity of education and that opens the world to them. And I think the big battle in inverted commas now is to be able to be seen and recognized for the value and the worth they bring. I think, you know, there were days of feminism where women were trying to be like men, equal to men. And I don't think that it is, um, for me, a matter of being equal. I think men have very specific strengths and women have specific strengths. And I think they balance one another really beautifully. And for me, I think a modern day warrior woman is somebody who actually has a dream or has a goal and will work relentlessly and tirelessly to get there, not at the expense of everybody else, but just through firm focus, resolve and action. And so Eugenia, why, well, do you identify as a warrior woman? And if so, why? Um, Nkwasi, I must say, to be honest, you know, when the request came to me um, and the question was warrior woman, mm. I smiled a bit because I thought, no, warrior woman doesn't sound right to me. Mm. But then what came strongly to my mind was that one of the groups that I work with in Msinga, really incredible woman, they always used to call me the warrior queen. Oh, so I thought about that and and it kind of made me think why and I think what it is, is that I feel really strongly that I've had privilege, mm -hmm. I have connections, I have visibility, and I have a voice. Mm -hmm. And there are many people that do not have a voice. And I will use my voice 
to be the voice for those that have no voice. So I guess if that's what you call a warrior, then I am a warrior. And I can attest to that. So for those of you listening, I was volunteering at a certain business school in Johannesburg as a mentor. And Eugenie was my mentee. I spent an hour with Eugenie. I think it was two hours around her business model and finance. And she said, Nkwazi, we've sat through full days in class and I haven't got anything that they said. And in two hours, you were able to make sense for this for me. But this is what Eugenie then did for me. She then went to the school and said, I think you should make her one of your lecturers. And if it wasn't for Eugenie's voice and knocking and being my advocate, I would not, and I honestly do believe that Eugenie, Gosh. I would not have been and still am a lecturer and adjunct lecturer because it's part-time at that business school. So I can attest to that. And I can attest to why they call you Warrior Queen. So thank you. Thank you. So my next question is, what has been your biggest and most important battle? I think my biggest and most important battle yes. has been here. Oh. It's been my battle with myself. Yes. My battle with the programming that I grew up with. Yes. My battle with how I tell myself you can't or you can or... Mm. And, and honestly, I think sometimes, sure, it's uh, the mind, the mind for me is mm. a huge enemy, potentially a huge en enemy. Yes. And it's just that thing about believing, if I believe strongly enough, I, it doesn't matter what my mind tells me, I will focus and I'll get it done. Yes. But I think my biggest battle ever has been with my mind and keeping focus, keeping balance. Yes. And not letting the ego get into place. Mm. And also just, just owning, you know, I think as women, others see our strengths more easily than we see them. Yes. And when people give you a compliment or recognize that strength, we tend to just brush it away. Yes. And I think it is that thing about accepting, being grateful and owning, because that is how you feel yourself going forward. Except we tend to believe mm -hmm the negative things or the weak things or our fears get the most of us and then you're completely disempowered. Yeah. Accepting, being grateful and believing. Very, very, very much so. Well, I like that. And I think, you know, it's it's interesting how, again, it's, I think a certain characteristic that I see in maybe not just women, in individuals who step out and who are advocates for others or themselves is that the strong locus of control, internal locus of control, and knowing that they have to overcome certain beliefs, certain things, um, self-confidence, oh. and um, the stories that they're telling themselves. And sometimes the biggest battle is us. It's not ne necessarily an external battle. Completely. Yeah. Completely. So my next question to you, Eugenia, is if you had to describe yourself as a type of warrior, what would you describe yourself as being and why? Sure. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. You are very much putting me on the spot. I think for me, it's about there is right and there is wrong. Yes. It is black or it is white. And I think for me, it is that thing about the truth. Mm. Truth for me is, is a not negotiable. Yes. And I will, I will fight for what is right. I'll fight for right, particularly for others. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm not scared to speak out. I will challenge. Mm -hmm. I will challenge bedtime. And I am relentless. Once I have my teeth in something, it's very hard for me to let go until I know that I've achieved what I set out to do. I can really believe that because I've seen that. (laughs) Yes. And so for you then, what do you think are the skills or characteristics or tools that are essential for a modern day warrior woman? I think it is to be very clear on what your what drives you where are you not negotiable what inspires you what would you fight for and just keep focused on that Mm -hmm. and blur out the noise that is happening around you Mm -hmm. and I think women also are canny women are smart you don't have to be strong to win a battle you've got to be smart to win a battle And I really think that women, if we give ourselves time to work out, how am I going to get around this? How am I going to make it? You know, when we were in Swaziland, it was fascinating. We were working with grass weavers Mm. and there traditionally the chief will declare the cutting grass cutting season open and he will declare it closed. Mm. Nothing can happen. You can't cut grass unless you're within that season. Yes. And because of climate change, The season shifted, Mm. but they didn't shift. Yes. And we then needed to go and negotiate Mm -hmm. with the chiefs because there was shortage of grass. Yes. And it was hard to negotiate with them so that they could see that by shifting it, it would make them look good to the people that they were working with. So again, it's how do you do it? You can't go and tell him. You can go to them with a problem. You can say, this is the problem. This is why the problem. How do you think we can solve it? They then come up with a solution, which is exactly what you wanted them to do anyway. And it's a win-win for everybody. Men will go in and go and say, this is what you have to do, which immediately for me puts up battle. Mm -hmm. You tell me what to do, hell, I won't do it. Yes. But let's discuss this and women operate from that perspective. You know, Eugenie, when you say that, you remind me of a conversation I had with my mom. And I was about, oh, I was very young. And I remember saying to her, Mama, I just don't understand why everybody says that this is Mr. Mzobe's business, but you are just as instrumental and as hardworking in the business. And my mom said to me, Nokwazi, think about it. It's not about me being vocal and telling people. It's about what I do and how I manage it. And it's like, and the smart people will see that this is a team and that it's not just Mr. Mzobe. And then, and I was still adamant. I'm just like, well, I feel like, you know, they're showing too much or talking too much about, you know, the male. I think it was quite a bit of a feminist at my young age. And my mom then said to me, you know what, Nokwazi, I believe that the female is the neck and the male is the head. And we need to be able, the neck is responsible for which direction the the head must face. Mm -hmm. And that's the role that I play in this relationship. And so it took me years to understand it, but just listening to you now kind of just brings that lesson back, yeah, and reaffirms it. I think the other thing that for me is also really important Mm -hmm. is I do what I do for me. Mm. If I've got something I wish to achieve, yes. I don't need anybody else to know 
or to tell me, well done, I've done it. Yes. Once I have reached my goal and I've achieved what I set out to do, that's enough for yes. me. Yes. So I don't care what the world says. Yeah. It's nice to get compliments. It's nice to get recognition. But it's not. I'm not dependent on that. And it shouldn't be a driver. So Eugenie, why do you think it's important for women to see themselves as warriors? And, and especially in our times? You know, I think for me, it's it's about women having their voice. Mm. Number one, women need to own their voice. Women need to understand that their opinion or their, you know, their insight is valuable. Mm. Women need to understand that they don't have to just accept anything. They don't have to accept second best. Yes. And it's okay to say no. Yes. It's okay. It's okay to say, I'm sorry, I do not agree with that. I'm sorry, this is actually really what this means to me. And I think for me, it's really important that women use their voice, but again, not in an aggressive way. It's to state it, to be firm. And if you feel firm from inside and you connect that to your voice, people can hear you're not negotiable. It's not about to please others. It's about pleasing what's driving you. Thank you. So the next question is, what words of affirmation or tips or advice would you give to fellow women to motivate them to push through and not give up wherever they are? I think one thing that for me is, is kind of very clear is what is the reason for doing what you're doing? Mm -hmm. And it needs to be something that you feel strongly about. Because if you if you feel strongly about it, you can be focused and you will keep going. Yeah. If it's something somebody else is asking you to do that you do not believe in or you're not comfortable with, it makes it much harder. So again, it's it's what is important to you, what is driving you, what do you want to achieve, mm. and to just keep going, keep focused. The other thing is also to encourage yourself because sometimes it's really difficult. Yes. And I am a very firm believer, darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. Mm. So it does not matter how dark the circumstances are, know that there is light there. And it's to find that light because once you find the light, the darkness will disappear. Oh, I love that analogy. Darkness cannot exist exist in the presence of light. It cannot. Yeah. It cannot. And within everything, within everything that happens to us is a gift. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it might not feel as if the gift when you're in that place of squeeze. Mm -hmm. But if you can ask yourself, what is the gift in this for me? And you can get that gift, mm -hmm. you're immediately transformed and you can move on. You can move on. And Eugenie, my last question to you is, what female warriors do you know or do you look up to um, and why? Oh. Looks, you know, there are so many of them. There are so, so many of mm -hmm. them. I mean, Maya Angelou comes to me because what she does with words mm -hmm. is incredible. And she was strong. She was feisty. She knew who she was. And she inspired many and strength in others. Yes. I look at other people. I look, look at... Um, an incredible woman who worked with me at Peace, Beauty Maswangani. She mm. came from Bushbuck Ridge. Yeah. She single-handedly raised three incredible children. She lives in Dipslert. 
She's part of a community. She's a leader in the community. And beauty for me shows a strength and a courage mm. that just always used to blow me away. And the one thing about many, if I think of women who inspire me, none of them feel sorry for themselves. Oh, wow. None of them are very happy to say, this is where I am for now. Mm -hmm. This is where I want to be. I know I can get there. And they have, they find the courage within themselves to get there. And Eugenie, how do you turn a no into a yes? I mean, again, like you, you entered the entrepreneurial space very late. You, you work with a lot of different people and from all walks of life. And I'm sure you've heard a lot of no's. So how did you turn the no's into a yes? I think it's just the rebel in me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm now a modern warrior woman. Yes. Because I have replaced the word rebel yes. with disruptor. Aha. Uh -huh. So I'm a disruptor. <laughs> so if you tell me no, yes. I'm going to, okay, that door's closed, but there has to be another way to get round and that. into this. So again, it's just not taking no for an answer. Mm -hmm. And, and again, I think for me, what is really important is looking at where that no comes from. Yes. Because sometimes the no comes from somebody who doesn't know or who is trying power games or whatever. I will then discount that no. If the no comes from somebody that I really respect, yes. I will reflect on that no very deeply. I really love what you're saying because I've never really thought about that. I tend to take no's at at face value. No. Um, and I think a lot of us do. We take the no face value and we kind of walk away and be despondent. But I like the idea of understanding where it comes from. I think for me, just with your response, what, what comes to mind for me mm. is also if I know I have a strong presence, mm. I know people are intimidated by me just because I am who I am. Yes. And sometimes the no will come from somebody who feels they have the power, they're intimidated by me, so they want to block me. Yes. And that no will come from that space. Uh -huh. So again, that's why I'm saying it's important to know where that no comes from. Is that no, other person's shoes, step into their shoes, why did they say no? Uh -huh. Maybe they felt threatened, and if they felt threatened, how do I then work around that? And Eugenie, my last question is, what is your intention? My intention is just for people to be, I have a gift and it's a God-given gift to see potential. Mm -hmm. And for me, my intention always is to get whoever, wherever that potential is, how can I get that potential to become a full bloom possibility? Well, Eugenie, I must say, I'm glad that you saw my potential. And I've also seen a number of people whose potential you've seen and you've been their advocates and helped pave the way and opened up doors. I hope you realize that you're making an impact and that to some of us, you are that modern day warrior woman. So thank you. Thank you. And Nkwazi, just from my heart, watching you grow and flourish brings me huge joy. That's, that's my gift from you to me to watch that growth and to watch, I always use the analogy of eagles in budgie cages. Yes. So you were an eagle in a budgie cage and I opened the door and you pushed your one wing out 
and then you got out and to watch those wings start and get strong and to fly is just, I can't tell you how excited it makes me. Thank you, Eugenie. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And so listeners, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. We were chatting to Eugenie Drakes, former founder of Peace. She is now sits on the board of the Arts and Culture Trust, yes. moving into dance and the Design Foundation. And she continues to do a lot of work to mentor and coach young entrepreneurs and other individuals within the creative spaces. Thank you, Eugenie. Thank you very much. Warrior woman, a woman who are making an impact. What we want to do and what we are passionate about is the ability to go against the grain. Knowing very well that she is the fighter. You are multifaceted. Your modern age woman is a woman who is able to fix another woman's crown. One who knows that commitment, discipline to herself, modern day warrior woman, doesn't fight against, but fights for.